Hey, welcome back, everybody. Landon Legacy Podcast here. Um, this is Kyle. I got Frank on with me today. How hey, Kyle. Frank? What's up? Well, I'm about to get stormed on over here. It's yeah, we uh, we just got hammered. I was outside earlier, and some lightning hit about a quarter mile north of me, and I lit into the house, and my son was laughing at me as I was running in. So, huh. you know. That was real hilarious. Well, yeah, you live an hour and a half southwest of me. It just started here. Looks like a little light rain and some. So if you hear a big kaboom, it's the the thunder outside my house. But yeah. hey, yeah, today we're kind of excited. We just got back from a really big trip, and, and depending on what podcast y'all have listened to, you may have heard reference to it a time or two. But uh, Frank and I just went on a big whirlwind um, hunted bird hunting trip two different states uh five species harvested out west and southwest so pretty cool hunt um well really cool hunt hunted everything from mountains to desert i mean crazy (laughs) different terrain um and we're just going to kind of give a little recap of that that hunt and kind of let the listeners know what we've been up to it was uh i don't know yeah three thousand miles something crazy yeah miles and 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 a lot of um, a lot of conversation a lot of uh just just a, a lot of time spent in the truck but it was it was well worth it um this was a hunt that was probably three or four years in the making in terms of of the making of this hunt now we had always i think as we've always wanted to hunt chuckers um but really about three to four years ago did it really become a reality that we could we could maybe do this without having to do a diy chucker hunt and which can be done which which a lot of people do um but we had a contact uh well there's 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 an a friend of a mutual friend of ours actually works there closely with kyle and you know him very very well and and he has a, a friend that's a wildlife biologist in Utah. And he said, look, this guy, um, he hunts chuckers. He's got some great dogs. And he offered to to, to um, take you guys chucker hunting if, if you want to go. And we're like, well, yeah, this, this is great. Guy that's got chuckers, that knows where they're at, and has got great dogs. All we have to do is show up and follow along. You know, we're, we're there. Um, the first year didn't work out. The second year, which was last year, populations were too low. He said, "Guys, don't, don't, don't come." You know, I'm finding one covey where I usually find five or six. Um, but this year, he said, "Yeah, uh, we we started to get more rain in the summertime," and he said, "Looks like a go." So we we pulled the trigger and and decided to do it. But he said, "Look, fellas," he said, um, "You know, I live at this elevation, which, which we were we were staying at about." 5,000 feet, 5,500 is where, where we were staying, but we were hunting at 6,000 plus. He's like, you know, you guys, um, and then the mountains, mountainous terrain where chuckers are famous to a living, he said, 
really, I think you guys can only make it for two and a half days. And you're probably talking to Kyle on that. If you look at me, he's probably thinking, well, this dude can make it for about a half a day. And then, and then he's done, but I personally made it longer than that. But, but we were, we, you know, we thought about that and we thought, you know, it's really not going to be worth our time if we just drive all the way to Utah, could hunt a day and a half, maybe two days and our beat and we have to come home. We need to figure out a way to extend this hunt. And, and uh, so that's where the Arizona part came in. Yeah, we'd been out to Arizona a couple of years ago um, and had a, had a good trip. They had like record numbers of gambles back then. Um, so we made a, made a dash out there, had a great hunt. And so, so it was like, all right, how can we play this in? It's not exactly on the way home. In fact, it was 12 hours directly south <laughs> yeah. of where we were hunting in Utah. So it was not on the way home at all. But, but you know, we were going to be 19, 20 hours into driving to Utah. That two-day hunt wasn't going to work. I mean, we were going to be right. two days out there, two days back. So, so we turned it into this, all right, we're going to chucker hunt, and then we're going to slide south to Arizona. And lucky for us, two years ago when we went uh, was because the, the gamble quail numbers were really good. And we had a good hunt, and we killed scaled quail. So we both were had the opportunity, and, and Frank's dad even went that year, we were able to check um, a couple new species off the list, Gamble's quail and scaled quail. But what we didn't do was the Mern's quail or Montezuma quail. Really cool looking. If you haven't ever seen them, look them up online. Look like a clown, a male does. Crazy, yeah. crazy looking thing. So that was a bird that but we really needed to harvest. And two years ago when we were out there, we just weren't, we didn't really hunt the part of the state that had Mern's. But additionally, their, their numbers were really low. Um, but they'd had the right rains. They like summer rains, and so we'd been watching the weather, and their numbers were up this this year, it sounded like. So we said, all right, this is our year. We got If we're going to go do this chucker deal, we need to slide down and make sure we get a Mern's quail killed, and, and then we can go. We've got some known desert quail spots. So we kind of had a plan in mind and, and decided to take off on this whirlwind hunt I don't know, December 9th or something is when we left. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It, we, 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 um, this, this was a, a hunt that I, that I looked forward to going out there, but, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't prepared. And, and it was funny as we were going out, and this is specific on the Chuckers, Kyle said, Well, what do you think? And I said, Well, I don't think it's going to be as bad as what people say. You know, I, you know, I don't think the mountains are going to be as tall. And Kyle said, I think you're wrong. I think I think it's going to be as tough or tougher than people say. And we were kind of just talking about that and, and going back and forth. And and, um, and Tucker is not for faint of heart. Um, there are certain certainly places, you know, all Tucker hunting is tough. But there are certainly places where, you know, you can drive to the top of the mountain and start there. Tuckers live on these mountain ridges and 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 the fingers that go down and the bowls and you can drive to the mountain top and start your hunt from there but but that's not what our buddy clint had in mind and, and where we were hunting there certainly wasn't those opportunities so yeah it was it, it was it was tougher than i expected to be honest with you and and that's where you know it, it it's it was fun as we as we went out there and kyle said i told you i was like oh yeah you were right you know it was it was it was a great hunt, and and, and what 
to, to kind of backtrack on that, Clint was, he, he's a wildlife biologist that lives out there. He's got great dogs. And um, so we decided to use his dogs because his dogs were used to those mountain terrain, lava rock, very steep um, inclines. Plus, we needed our dogs to be in good shape for our hunts in Arizona. We didn't need to wear our dogs out in the Chugger Hills. And, and his dogs were fantastic, or his dog. He had a couple of dogs with him, but he chose to hunt only one. And, and Jack was his name, and he was he was fantastic on, on Chuckers. It was just – it was cool to – see him operate and the ground that he could cover is really wild well yeah and even you know there's always this learning curve but there's a learning curve for the dogs and we've seen that whether it was rough grouse hunting in wisconsin or you know different stuff we've done over the years and chuckers are no different so you know we were a little concerned i, I think we would have found birds if we just used our dogs and not his but you know we knew it wasn't <laughs> like we were going to find eight coveys of chuckers this this was right. still even though the numbers were up this was still going to be a limited opportunity thing so you know we were in we were hoping for three or four coveys of chuckers on a day hunt and uh, yeah. his, his dog knew how to play the game and ours didn't so potentially you know there would have been some risk involved if, if one of our yeah. dogs crowds a little tight and blows up a covey just not knowing you know how far yeah. they can creep in and blows up a covey when we're still a hundred yards back. That's game over. There, there was no oh they just landed over there. No. Um, so yeah, Jack was Jack knew how to do it. He knew how to cover the terrain. He knew when to when to lock up on first scent. You know he's pointing birds that are thirty forty yards away from his nose. In fact, I got a dog that there's no way. He couldn't smell yeah. a bird 40 yards from his nose. One of my dogs <laughs> couldn't. So, anyway, it, it worked out good, and, and Clint was a great host. And, and so we, we found three cubbies. Uh, took us about 45 minutes to hike up up the mountain to the ridge. Frank was talking mm -hmm. about, you know, getting in the position. And, and in Clint's defense, he took us to a what he considered one of his very moderate spots. It wasn't, right. wasn't right. as rough, wasn't as steep. <laughs> Um, he, he didn't want to kill us, um, but it took about 45 minutes just to get up on the ridge and start hunting. Yeah. And then I think we made about a four or five hour loop uh, yeah. walking these ridges and found three coveys. Um, so we killed birds out of each covey, um, had a had a great hunt. We both killed birds, killed five total. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a game of going home with this sack full of meat uh it was more the epic views and the but but having the opportunity to harvest species that we'd never i'd shot them at you know game preserves but never harvested yeah. a wild chucker yeah uh, uh, neither and they has, so. they are a wild exotic bird that live in the wild exotic places and there are people out there that are addicted to chuckers and i can see how they can be because there there were times when we drove there, there was not a human within sight. But, you know, when we were up on this mountain vistas and we're looking over this huge playa lake and there's mountains in all directions, I mean, there there was there was no way that you would not know that you weren't the only human there because it was just vastness of, of nothingness relative to our thinking as far as human habitation, but full of life, chuckers, um, elk in those mountain ranges there was bighorn sheep in those mountain ranges 
it was just a really epic place to be and um the density may not have been as high as say you would find some places in nevada and idaho and on their defense they were coming off of a record low year so they were still on the upswing but but it as you said it wasn't a you know we're going to go up here and expect to get you know our our limits each person get a limit and come back it was <clears throat> it was more about you know getting this hunt checking this bird off the list but the the, the, the place was where we were at were very few people had seen the views that we saw. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, you know, part of it played into it. That was that was our connection. That was our air quote guide. We weren't paying this yeah. this guy, you know, just a colleague of ours. But but this was our connection. This was our spot to go. So yeah, there's yeah. there's places to get in the bigger, more coveys per day, and uh, but we don't. We didn't have a, we would have to start over to do that. This was, we didn't have to research this at all. This is just, yeah. we go and he takes us to, he didn't even carry a gun. We encouraged yeah. him to, <laughs> but he's like, nope, I'm taking a camera. And he, and he take, he took a bunch of great pictures, you know? And yeah. Um, yeah. so it was awesome. I mean, he couldn't have been well, a more gracious host. Yeah. You know, Clint, Clint was, was so good. And, and, you know, that was a, that was a great hunt. And, and that goes to the kind of, as we've did a podcast, I don't know when it's going to air about hunt planning, but, but this is an example of this is, is we weren't in the highest density chucker location in North America. However, we were in probably the lowest density chucker hunter in North America per, you know, yes. per square mile. Yes. And these birds, chuckers are notorious when they're pressured for, for running uh, in front of a hunter and flushing wild and, and nonsense like that. But these birds did not act like that at all. So while our, you know, coveys per hour may not have been as high as other places, we got shots on like close, not, I wouldn't say under our feet, but, you know, great opportunities on coveys that stuck in some cases for 10 to 15 minutes until we could scramble down to where the dog was at. Um so that that was something that I was very impressed with is is you know the density wasn't great but our opportunity was probably our shot opportunity was probably as good as anywhere in North America I think for fairly unpressured birds. Yeah, absolutely. And and for what yeah. we wanted, we just hey, you know, man if if you can get us on some birds and we can check this off the list that you know that was our goal. So day 1 mission accomplished. Yep. It was awesome. I would say it was a success. And yeah. so, yeah, we were looking at, we were supposed to do this for two days. Well, you know, as when you plan a trip months ahead and, and set some dates, sometimes you can't predict the weather. So, so the next day, um, we already knew a storm was coming. It's like, all right, we can't, we need to get on. And it was coming from the Northwest. So we need to get on down the road. We had a, we had a 10 hour drive down into Arizona the next day, and maybe more than that, 12 hours. So it was, we got to get out of here. We're, we got a half day tops, the day two. So then it was, okay, we can go chucker hunt a smaller spot, right? Um, that was kind of an option. But over supper that night, we get to talking and, and uh, well, you know, it's kind of one of those, yeah, I've got some smaller spots, kind of one covey spot. You know, we may go hike up into this thing, make a two-hour loop and, and find the covey or not find the covey. And okay, that's that's fine. And 
he says, we start talking about California. We knew they had California quail. In fact, I'd asked him about them a couple years ago, and he kind of, ah, just kind of was dismissive. And so we're talking about it over supper, and he's like, oh, yeah, there's a, a man, wildlife area here. Not too far that's got, usually has a covey of California quail or valley quail, whatever you want to call them. And, and <laughs> Frank and I, both our eyes lit up. And we're like, well, we've never killed one of those. You know, right. to Clint, it was like, eh, whatever. You know, he's killed lots of valley quails. That doesn't mean much to him. We're like, hey, we've never killed one of those. We can go mess around with chuckers in the morning and maybe find this another covey and kill another chucker or two, right? Or yep. we have a chance to spend a, a couple hours and, and kill a species that we've never never killed before. Um, and so the next morning we get up, well, it's blowing 40 miles an hour. So <laughs> yeah. turns out the chucker thing would have been a disaster because this is down in town. It's blowing 40 miles an hour. So up on the mountain, I don't even think it would have been possible. This storm yeah. was coming in, and it was just ripping. So, yeah, he takes us to this well, let's go see if we can find this covey of, of California quail. Yeah, that was that was very fortuitous. It, you know, it was it was one of those things, and it was and it was just perfect when we got there for for some reason. I don't know how that WMA laid on the landscape, but it was like somebody had turned the wind machine completely off. It was dead still. There was snow on the ground. You couldn't ask for a better day to bird hunt that morning or a better morning to bird hunt. And we had seen, or Clint had seen a covey as we were driving in a big covey, you know, near, near somebody's house. So, you know, and, and so we, we got there and, you know, all we'd heard about valley quail is that they were similar to gambles quail and that they were runners and they liked, you know, heavy, tall brush. And, um, at, sure enough, we had hunted maybe, I don't know, half hour and got maybe halfway in there and, and Kyle spotted a covey running on the ground, which is, which is from what I understand for valley quail, California quail is pretty common, certainly common for gambles quail, as we'd seen in the past to see them running on the ground first. And um, so the dog ran in there and the covey flushed wild. And I had a couple of Hail Mary shots, you know, weren't, you know, wasn't a reasonable expectation to, to, to really do much and, and Kyle you didn't have any chance but but as you made your way through there you did have a bird that set tight and you were able to 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 harvest one that got up which was excellent so Kyle had got his valley quail so we made a big loop to go after most of the singles that went on to private ground but Kyle said look there were seven or eight that went ducked back towards the truck and so we we made that walk and and um Man, it just couldn't have happened. It just was meant to be. Um, just happened to stick my head under a limb and crawl under a downfall, and two got up right there, and I was able to get mine. And um, it was the last two we had seen of last two of the bunch that you know we flushed that day. So it would have been my last opportunity. So if I had missed, I'd have been a, <clears throat> a big zero and for that for that trip. But <clears throat> but we each we each got our valley quail, and that was that was pretty cool. Just totally unexpected. And so that's a lesson to, you know, especially out west is there's a lot of species that live together and um, or live in close proximity. So, you know, be prepared for for, for something else. And I know you see that in, in North Dakota, you know, when you guys are hunting shelter belts up there, sometimes you don't know if it's going to be a hunt or a chucker or, or maybe a pheasant that comes out. So that's one of the cool things about the west. Yeah, not chuckers. Yeah, 
but I mean, Shark Shark Tale. Tale. Yeah, Shark I know what you Shark meant, Tale. but just for the listeners, yep. no, no chuckers in North Dakota unless they came yep. from a game farm. Yep, uh, Shark Tale. Yeah, no. So in two days, wham, bam, hell, uh, not even two days, just a you know a, a day and a two hours of this the next day, we've got two two new species checked off the list. So again, not a sack full of birds, but that wasn't the point. That wasn't the goal. So. Um, we're pretty pumped about at this point, you know, we go back and we load our stuff up and we head south to, to beat the storm. So the rest of the day driving and, and that storm rolled in and the next day was a wash, um, it rained and snowed most all day. Um, we got a little one and a half hour window. We went out and tried to mess around for some, some Merns quail. That, that was the mission this, this next stop was going to be we got to harvest Mern's quail or Montezuma quail whichever you want to call them and uh, we had a little window went out and uh, figured out we were in the wrong wrong spot figured out that we were in a real high pressure area and that wasn't going to cut it so spent some time at the motel researching on X and, and trying to figure out a game plan we knew we knew the habitat we'd done our homework on that we knew the what we needed to be looking for we just needed to find something else, um, not not in this valley. I mean, it, they had campsites, and it was just way overhunted. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was very pressured, and we we learned that. We listened back to a podcast. We we had both listened to a podcast a year or two ago, and the biologist said, "If you want to know what Mern's country looks like, go to this canyon, take a picture of it, get a mind's eye, but don't hunt it." Because it's the most heavily hunted place in North America. Well, guess where we hunted that that first afternoon? Not thinking about it until we got back and re-listened to that podcast that night and thought, "Well, dang, we did just what he said Dump to do." <laughs> but you know, every hunt, I think there's there's a little bit of luck involved in, in in a lot of cases. And we happened to run into a gentleman that had been a bird hunter for years and years, hunted Mern's quail for thirty years, and couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have been uh, more generous he gave us some general places to look and you know that that helped we could have i think we could have got it done scratched it out w- without meeting this this gentleman but it sure it sure cut down on our um our places maybe that, that we were going to start at and and um the next morning and, and <clears throat> so we were hunting you know Mern's country is classic savannah you know, in Land and Legacy, we talk a lot about savanna landscapes, and, and this is a savanna landscape. It It's a little bit higher than the desert floor, but it's not quite as high as the top of the mountains. It's sort of in that, that middle elevation there, and there's it's depending on the slope or the ridge top, there's more trees or less trees. But it's generally a grassland with scattered oaks and junipers is what we were hunting, and, and – um, so we woke up that morning to a to a looked out the window to I don't know three or four inches of just wet heavy snow. Like wow, this is going to be something. I mean, you're hunting in Arizona and three or four inches of snow, it's not something that I ever thought about. Well, luckily, we were prepared with the right boots, but but that was something to wake up to that morning. Well, yeah, not only so we'd never killed Mern's quail. We're all excited about this opportunity, but. But then to hunt them in the snow, I mean, that sometimes doesn't happen for the whole season down there. Right. Or, or sometimes it happens maybe for, you know, maybe a couple days. But so our, 
and we're only we're planning. I mean, we were flexible, I guess, but our our intention was, hey, we're dedicating one day. Maybe this was confidence. Yeah. Maybe arrogance. I don't think so. It was more confidence. Hey, we're going to dedicate one day, and we can surely both kill some Mern's quail, right? Yeah. That that was the goal, and I think that helped with the with the gentleman that we ran into that gave us some input too, because, you know, we told him our plans and, and he, so yeah. he, he knew he wasn't given a, um, maybe he would have anyway, but I think he, he knew he wasn't given a, a hunting spot away to, you know, somebody that we weren't, we weren't going to set up a camper and, and stay there for a month every season. We're like, Hey, literally we're, we're going to hunt these birds for one day. We just both want to kill uh, yep. harvest, harvest some merns, see some merns, you know, have the dogs work some, some coveys. That's all we're interested in, and we're moving on. We're going to the desert. So I think that yeah. uh, he he was more than happy to help us, and, and man, that was worked out good. Um, yeah, it worked out great. And, and the snow turned out it, it didn't hurt us, but it but it could have, it could have, as a, in retrospect, I think about it, it could have been a detriment because – you know, one of the keys to, to finding any game birds or the keys, you know, your dogs have to scent the bird unless you just stumble into them. But ideally, the dogs have to scent the bird. And so the, the more the covey moves around, the higher chance that that the dog is going to pick up the scent of the covey or where the covey has been and eventually track them down and point it. Well, that morning we knew these birds were not going to leave where they were at, probably until the snow melted. They were going to be where they roosted. They weren't going to leave a very big scent cone at all. So, it, it, in retrospect, it could have could have hurt us, I think. And in, in finding birds. I mean, yeah. for all we know, uh, it may have. We we ended up finding yeah. three coveys. Um, we each har- we harvested birds out of each covey. Had a good little hunt. Didn't certainly didn't wear them out. We killed six no. birds total, um, three apiece. So had a nice little hunt, but. I mean, yeah. For all we know, we missed three other coveys. Right. Um, yeah. For the for the amount of acres that we covered, particularly on the on the on one side of the road there, we didn't find anything. But yeah, yeah. And and so that was. I think we were we were fortunate. I I, I was confident we could have got it done that day, but we got it done fairly quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I and think... we could have we could have hunted our way. Mern's hunted our way to the to the desert and hit some other spots but i think we were we were satisfied with with what we had had it was getting sort of getting towards the afternoon we had an opportunity to see some parts of arizona particularly tombstone which i know was important to you that you know hey if you're on a trip that long you might as well see some sites that maybe you never see again so we went and did that on the way to the desert so you know it's it was we, we got to get that done, kill the Merns quail. And Kyle, Kyle killed a fantastic male Merns quail. They, um, like he said, look him up. It was yeah, just a fantastic yeah. adult. I ended up killing a couple. Well, I killed one sub, sub-adult, or, or sub-adult male. So what we got into were, was three coveys of, of fairly young birds, young of the year, where the majority of the covey was made up of juveniles. And, and uh, the only adult that I know we killed was that big male that, that, that you killed. Yeah, we aged the wings. And so these birds are kind of crazy. They won't even try to nest until it starts raining in the summer. 
and so their rains didn't come till till mid to late summer. Uh, we aged the wings, and and these these juveniles we were harvesting were were hatched around October first, so yeah. really late broods. Um, so they just weren't colored up. They, uh, but yeah, if you want to look them look them up online or or look at our Instagram Upland Flush. Um, there's pictures of this trip, and and there's pictures of that that big male. But yeah, these Merns quail, these these adult males are oh, they're crazy looking. Just um, it's a mount bird. It's gonna so the the trip that keeps on costing you, right? Because yeah, I mean that that's yeah, what it's that's a good thing, right? That's that's yeah, what you're right. out there for is to make some memories, and and sometimes you want a permanent memory to to sit on the mantle or hang on the wall. So. It's a, yeah. it's a welcome well, that, couple hundred dollar expense to mount that bird. Yeah, that was definitely one to do that. And that was the first bird you shot, which was, which was great. Um, but they are, and, and, and I don't know if you've eaten any of your merns yet, but I, uh-huh. we, I cooked up our three the other night and, and they were, it, it's, it's a, a really robust, rich flavor, more, more robust than a Bob White. It's kind of a different flavor. I don't know if it's because of their diet, which they eat a lot of, they eat a lot of seeds, of course, and insects, but they dig in the ground for these nut sedges or these tubers that are underground. Um, they have these long dinosaur-like toenails where they dig in the ground. They're really just a just a fantastically weird bird, but um, there it was a really, really robust flavor. I really enjoyed it. And as, as I, I texted Kyle, I said, "Man, I wish I'd shot ten more of these because they were, they were so good. They were so good to eat." Yeah, maybe we should have hunted them more than a, a two thirds of a day. Well, but it, it's well, not yeah. easy hunting either. I mean, it's rolling well, hills. It's some rough terrain. Um, I mean, oh yeah, hats I mean, off was, to anyone. If you do that for a week, you better be yeah. in shape because it's yeah. I mean, because you're still hunting at elevation. I mean, four or five thousand feet, so you're still up there at at some level of elevation, and it's you know those slopes are straight up and down. Ridge tops is a Ridge tops are fairly flat, but um, you don't find many of them on the ridge tops. They were in the bottoms or on the side slopes, and so it was. Yeah, it was a challenging hunt um, as far as the terrain. I, I can see where it could be addictive hunting because there, it's just. I mean, the the bird alone is just something that, you know, is only found really in huntable in only two states in North America. So it's. It's not something that that is very accessible. Um, there's a lot of people that that love the the Merns hunting, and they they hold so so tightly for for a bird dog. We we had the first covey dog pointed it, and we were got up there and just waiting for a flush, waiting for a flush, and we only had we only had specific shooting angles through these oak trees, so we couldn't really move from our designated positions. Yet the birds wouldn't flush, the dog wouldn't jump in. We were kind of, we didn't know what to do. I was about to pick up a rock and throw it in there and get them to move, but finally they did. So just, just a neat little bird. But after we, after we got that off, we were, we had hunted for, you know, chuckers and, and valley quail and merns, and, and we had been successful. We'd killed those birds, but I think we were both ready for some shooting. I mean, some actual, let's get down to business and let's, let's get some, some birds found let's get some birds in the bag and let's make our money on the on the desert quail and and we certainly did better um with the desert quail than we did with the other species yeah then you know uh, 
we we certainly didn't come home with a with a cooler full, um, but but we did fine. Um, the yeah. the numbers when we went out there two years ago, I, I've made mention already that you know they had like a thirty year high on gambles, and we had known that. And the next year they had an eighty percent crash. Drought happens, eighty percent crash. It's just crazy how up and down these birds just a roller coaster year to year. Um, the weather makes or breaks them out there. And so they were coming off that 80% crash, and we knew that. Uh, but they had some summer rains, so I don't know. I guess I don't know if you were. I was certainly maybe a little naively optimistic. My my thought was kind of, hey, two years ago, you know, it took us a couple days to get dialed in, but, but we did fine. And now we know spots to hunt. So now we're not we're not blindly just wandering the desert um we weren't blindly we had some strategy two years ago but but now you know my thought was okay these same spots will have coveys and but gambles are known for getting in these really big coveys sometimes i mean really big but we saw some 40 and 60 bird coveys a couple years ago yeah so our thought or at least mine was well there'll be a covey in in the same wash the same draw it may just be like Bob White Covey, right? Maybe it'll be 15 birds. Uh, yeah. that, that was my thought. So we can still have seven, eight, nine Covey days. Um, it'll just be smaller Covey sizes. And, and that was turns out not the case. It turns right. out those years that um, two years ago, some of those birds apparently were occupying marginal habitat. And so when the population... Um, kind of draws back and and has some decline. It they were only in the the best stuff, the stuff closest to a pond, um, a stock tank, a windmill, some type of water source. Um, yep, and, and which is common for a desert bird. But two years ago, we were finding birds, you know, a mile or two from a water source, and that was absolutely right. not the case this time. Yep. Yeah. And, and so that was, I think I had sort of the same expectation as you did. And some of the early reports we were getting, because their, their desert quail season opens like in late October um, or certainly early November, something like that. So they, they've been hunted, not necessarily where we were at, but they, they'd been hunted in Arizona for, for over a month before we got there. And the early reports were, hey, you know, things aren't that bad. Things, things are actually pretty decent for, for desert quail. And and I kind of knew we might be in for a tough hunt where we, we hunted a spot two years ago where we made a circle and, and found a big covey of scaled quail, which is which is another species that, that inhabits. They're more of a grassland species, but um, they they can be found in the same places where gambles are, just, just in a little bit higher up on the landscape, a little bit grassier areas. But we hunted one circle and found covey of scaled quail a small covey of gambles and we went across the road and found a giant covey of gambles found and we were so we really did well that afternoon so that's the first place we went we made that same big circle and found one sizable covey of, of scaled quail but no gambles so that kind of told us that hey we our first walk told us that hey we may be in we're, we're gonna we're gonna find birds but we may be in for a a tougher time and, and and those those scaled quail were, were certainly welcome and kyle did very well on that covey rise i was a little out of position and i thought well not big deal you know we'll find more blue quail or scaled quail but 
turned out that was the only covey we found on, on the trip, which was kind of a bummer. I didn't get my scaled quail this year, but um, and and we had we just didn't hunt a lot of scaled quail habitat, but but yeah, we you were able to get get a, get a, some some blue quail down on that covey and but it, it told us that we were going to maybe have to work a little bit harder at this than we had anticipated yeah and luckily for you you'd killed scaled quail or blue quail two years ago so you'd yeah. check that off the list but yeah so we we had a couple days we were planning to hunt the these scaled and gambles quail and and we did fine um killed 13 each day i think so yeah you know had yeah. some action and certainly missed some opportunities um, that always happens you never yeah but yeah, you know, that's, that's right. But I think, you know, we had some situations where, where coveys did it right. You know, we had some wild, we had a few coveys that we got a rise on the, we got a few shots on the rise and couldn't find the singles, but we had a, a, a couple of coveys that, that from our perspective did it right, where we were able to get some shots on the covey rise and then picked up some singles afterwards. And, and, you know, I, I think 13 a day, I think it, given the conditions was, was pretty good. Um, and, um, it was, you know, they're again, they're, they're not something you get at home. So any, to me, any gambles quail or blue quail is certainly a special trophy in my eyes. Well, then we ended up running into an Instagram, uh, person we know, and you'd, you'd met him before, but we, uh, you know, yeah. kind of mentioned, oh, how you doing? And, and said, ah, we killed 13 today. He says, oh, that's a really good day. And yeah. this this guy hunts down there all the time. Um, so we're like, oh. Uh, so, yeah, you know, sometimes your expectations maybe are a little off. Um, but, yeah. again, we, we certainly weren't disappointed. We we had a great, great time and a great hunt and, and uh, saw yeah. some cool sights, like you mentioned. Uh, we ate good. Oh, that's one of our oh, favorite things. Uh, we like we, good. we like to you know try to do the local thing if we're going to be on trips like this and and yeah yeah go, go to the what's the good steakhouse in town or if you're down in you know south somewhere southeast or on the east coast where's the seafood and so yep. you know yep. when we're down in southern arizona we're eating mexican food and oh yeah we, i mean we, when we well. say southern arizona we're like i can see i mean there's the border the border wall and there's the border checkpoint and yes we were in southern arizona yeah as part of this and, trip uh, we were right on the border and um yeah the mexican food there particularly one was fantastic the guy remembered us from two years ago um uh, which was great uh, i guess he i don't know if he recognizes from our orange hat or, or in hoodies or what it was but he certainly recognizes from a couple years ago he gave us a couple of hats and and um but yeah we spent a lot of money in his, in his establishment too so. yeah it was so good yeah oh man still thinking about it frank's been trying to recreate the meals at home and it's a disaster he is yeah i send you pictures of it and it's just a, it's just an abject failure he, so he's not going to start his own restaurant anytime soon nope. it does not appear so nope. but okay. yeah that's uh we we came home and and um it was a you know a a great trip, a long trip, but a great trip. Um, probably something that we'll never do again as far as that combination. I mean, we may find ourselves on the West Coast hunting mountain quail next. That's the last quail that we both need to harvest all six species and 
of North American quail. Uh, if we can get the mountain quail, and they're the ones that are uh, probably the lowest harvested species and the one that probably the hardest to get, but it's not impossible. Um, so we may find ourselves out there at some point, but um, certainly a once in a lifetime trip from that standpoint, from the combination I think that, that we did and, and getting you, you killing four species of quail during that trip and, you know, me getting three, I think was pretty special. Oh yeah. And I missed a, so we both killed five species of quail in our life, but I missed a Bob white. We stopped to run the dogs for a couple hours in Kansas on the way out there. And I whiffed at a Bob white. So I could have had all five, five of the six quail species in the, in uh, the United States and in the same week, but uh, it didn't happen, but I've killed Bob's this season. So we've, yeah, I've had five of the six species in one season now, so that's pretty yep. neat. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And and um, yeah, it was a great trip. Um, you know, we we appreciate um, you know our wives certainly for their understanding to be gone. Well, it turned out to be from the ninth through the seventeenth, something like that. We got yeah. back on the seventeenth, so it was a long trip. Um, wives were pretty important as far as keeping the you know the home going and and you know from my you know we both have kids at home so um and they're super understanding about allowing us to go so we always need to thank them for that yep it was great can't wait till our next adventure the the mountain quail deal we may have to do some workout before that yeah i know i yeah i was woefully un inadequately prepared for the chucker hunt i was contemplating my existence on top of that mountain a couple of times <laughs> um, but uh, i'm gonna make some changes as far as that goes but um yeah be more prepared next time that's good stuff i i enjoy hunts like that and see a new country and and making well made a great friend you know somebody that we only yep. knew through instagram and and a couple phone calls and texts and actually got to spend some time with clint in utah so yeah clint was great had a great family and hopefully you know we've invited him to come hunt eastern turkey with us sometime and he was you know he was excited about that and they bring his his cousin along with us i think or along with yep. him maybe if they come and to be able to return the favor to, to us eastern turkeys are not that exotic to him and, and his cousin that may be a you know a once a lifetime hunt who knows but to be able to return the favor for all they did for us would be I wouldn't even consider it a return in that favor, just partial return um, for what they were able to show us. So hopefully yeah. we can get that done. Yeah, it'll give us an excuse to go uh, turkey hunting four or five yeah. days in a row and crappie fishing in the afternoon. So Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's how I look at it. Like we need more excuses to do that, right? Yeah, no, true. Well, so, so, yeah, um, sure. great, great trip, Kyle. I enjoyed it very much, and um, it was a great recap. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, still next time.